what I was discovering, this was maybe two or three years ago, that I started to hear buzzwords like content marketing, branding. I started to hear these words over and over again. And I, and I always, I don't want to say I had a knack for it because I would try to do certain things for the production company, you know, posting something up on Facebook in a certain way or a certain font that mimicked what our logo was, for example. But I didn't know it had a name. I didn't know that, oh, that's, that's branding. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Corey Disson. My next guest is going to pump you up. He's the undisputed heavyweight champion of content and host of the Go Get It podcast. He's a voice talent authority and social media influencer who has impacted over 100,000 unique voiceover projects over the last 25 years. He also mentors talent all over the country as a one-on-one -on -one marketing coach. I'm really excited to talk with him today. Please welcome Corey Disson. You can find more information about him at CoreyDisson.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Corey. I really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to get some background here first because I know that you've produced audio and hired voice actors for your own production company for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what lessons did it teach you? Oh, my goodness. There's a lot to unpack there for sure. I'm sure. Um, so maybe a little bit of how I got started. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was very fortunate in that um, I actually landed my gig with uh, Paul Turner Productions, the former name of Propulsion Media Labs, while I was still a junior in college. Wow. And uh, I happened to meet someone, a classmate that I had, and he was running the board at, at, on the All Request Show at WISP Radio, and I desperately wanted to be in radio. And I begged him, you know, and just, you know, say, hey, man, what can I do to get involved in that radio station? And he said, hey, you know what? Um, I'll set you up with an interview with the program director who happened to be a little guy named Tim Sabian. And Tim Sabian, for those who don't know, is Howard Stern's program director for decades. And he was the program director for Infinity Broadcasting at, in Philly in, uh, in New York. And I think he worked in D.C. as well. Anyway, here I am, a 19-year-old wet-behind-the-ears kid. <laughs> going in there literally with like the hat on backwards um, and, and he gave me a sit down and offered me a uh, sort of a volunteer gig to answer phones on the, the public request, uh, the public affairs programming on Sunday mornings at 5 a.m. What a glamorous position that was. Wow, 5 a.m. <laughs> for, <laughs> for a 19 year old. For a 19 year old. And I was also working in the nightclub business, working at, uh, you know, as a bouncer. So I would work till three in the morning, go home, take a nap for an hour, and then go in and do this. Um, I was going like to ask, like, when do you sleep? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I still don't. I still don't. But, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, 30 years later. But uh, so I parlayed that position into an internship through the school. And I met Paul Turner, who was the production director. And, you know, I wanted to be on the air. You know, I said, man, I wanted to be Howard. I wanted to be a, a John DeBella 
you know, in the morning zoo. I want that, That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And shucks, two weeks into my internship, they fired the entire air staff. Oh. And that scared the heck out of me. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I happen to be a big fan of stability. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a really terrible habit. I like to eat three times a day. Yeah. So I, I when, get that. Uh, when I saw the entire air staff of folks that I listened to in the morning and, you know, on the in the afternoon drive, et cetera, I saw them just being ushered out, all, basically. I said, what's the next best thing? What's a little safer? And that was production. Ah, I get it. Okay. And, you know, and, and Paul and I happened to be, Paul was a young guy. Everybody thinks he was like 60 years old at the time. He was only 25. <laughs> and uh, he and I became pals and we were baseball fans. So we played on the company softball team. And he would tell me, hey, you know, come into my office when you're done all your, you know, uh, envelope stuffing and t-shirt passing out and uh, come in and, and play in my office. And he would you know, allow me to sit in and watch him work and record voiceover sessions and produce commercials. And then at the end of the day, he'd say, kind of basically give me the keys to the studio and say, just go play. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, that's what I said. And, <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> uh, that's, how I, that's how I learned to produce audio. I mean, I learned how to use run multi-track. We didn't even have digital workstations back then. That was still moving tape. And uh, I learned all the basics, which I'm thankful I did because I have a greater appreciation for the digital stuff, of course. Sure, yeah. And, you know, to that that volunteer time through my internship turned into a little part-time gig. I paid, paid me like five bucks an hour or something for a few hours a week just to kind of be his mascot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as I continued to learn how to produce more things, one day he walked in and he gave me a, a package of promos and sweepers for our little radio station in, in like central Pennsylvania. Say, hey, I want you to produce all these up and I'll pay you a couple hundred bucks. Well, I thought I hit the lottery. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Paul Turner's going to pay me <laughs> to produce up liners and sweepers for a radio station? I was elated. It was amazing. And boy, it took me forever to get that done. But long story short, I started to get more of those little a la carte production gigs from him. And I, and I got better at what I was doing. And then it got to the point where it's like, hey, Core, to justify keeping you around so I can afford to pay you, you're going to have to go out and find me some customers. Ah, okay. Then it started. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to literally dial for dollars, Mm -hmm. you know, with a phone book and a phone with a cord on the end. Go figure. Oh, I remember those. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, was, you know, calling on on radio stations, calling on, you know, local businesses, whatever, ad agencies. And we built up enough of a book of business just by me messing up a lot and happened to stumble on some business that we wound up building a set of studios about uh, 45 minutes away from the radio station where we were based normally. And that just kind of, uh, it kind of snowballed. You know, we added an assistant, that guy learned how to produce, then he needed an assistant and so on and so forth. Um, Paul Turner eventually decides you know, we're fast forwarding to about 2002 that he said, you know, I really want to concentrate on my voiceover business. I don't want to be the owner of a big corporation and worry about overhead and benefits and salaries and all that stuff. I mean, it's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a common friend uh, who actually had his roots at uh, Infinity Broadcasting, always used to joke and say, hey, Paul, you ever sell your business? I want to buy it. And Paul would say, oh, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, whatever, yeah. And sure enough, by, by 2003, uh, he bought the business, and we changed the name to Propulsion Media Labs, added the video component, mm-hmm. and then things really just 
you'd see that hockey stick. It just took off. And, you know, here we are. I mean, I've been with the business now 27 plus years. Wow. And uh, on a bad month, we're producing six, seven hundred commercials a month. We'll talk about stability. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling 27 you, seven years, that's a pretty good run. <laughs> put two, two kids through school. I'm very, very, very happy about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There so it's it, and it's still kicking, you know, every day. I mean, it's it's fun to kind of literally watch the register tape tick up with all the production orders that come in. We've developed a lot of really good relationships with uh, with some longtime customers that really rely on us as their sort of secret weapon mm -hmm. because uh, our unique selling position is that we work very, very quickly. And, you know, we take on a lot of the jobs that some other production companies might uh, sort of wrinkle their nose at oh, okay. you know, be because they're a little higher maintenance, you know, turnkey type things. And we just we just do a lot of them. And uh, we've developed a really cool business model where we work very, very fast. The the analogy that I like to tell people is, you think of your prototypical production studio with the, the big boards and the massive studios and the lights and all those kind of things. Imagine if that was a huge uh, teaching hospital. Okay? Mm -hmm. So... If that's what that is, Propulsion Media Labs is the ambulance. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll we'll keep your heart beating. Yep. We'll keep you alive, and we can do just about anything. We just don't, you know, uh, have this huge facility. I mean, we have a two-floored facility, and I've got seven full-time producers in there cranking out stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's kind of the history lesson on on how I got involved. And and hey, thank you for the. The little plug there I got to put in there for the production company as well. Thank you. Oh, no problem at all. Uh, it's, what did I leave out? Uh, well, I am curious as to how you ended up working with voice talent more closely um, and also um, how that fits into your videos. Do the people that you work with pay attention to the voice that they use, the music that they use, the sounds that go into their videos? Um, I mean, how much of this do you have to pay attention to for them and how much of how much do they actually know about it? So the genesis of your question was, of course, I was Paul Turner's right hand man, helping him book his sessions, mm -hmm. uh, literally back in the day, cutting his tape you know, t tails out. I remember reel to reel. The, you know, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, doing that, you know, and then being his sort of client services representative. Uh, but, you know, and I would literally record him and produce his voice. And then, you know, we decided early on that, hey, we're not going to really make money if you have to voice everything. Because speaking of sort of audio branding, not every commercial calls for the voice of God. Yeah. You, you, you need a variety. You need female talent. You need Spanish talent. You need young, old, everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. So, that was part of my job in the sort of the sales process was to go out and recruit talent. I didn't know where to look. So I started calling other production houses and say, who do you use? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and they were, they were either nice enough or dumb enough to tell me. <laughs> okay. It's a good I start. started making relationships then. And then, you know, at the height of the sort of talent recruitment, I'd like to think, and maybe I'm giving uh, our company a little too much credit. There was a time where I thought there was a race for who had the most talent they represented online. Because I know Propulsion Media Labs and Paul Turner Productions one of the first companies to start putting voice groups of voice talent on a website mm -hmm. to, to book folks, not in a pay-to-play fashion, but like, yeah, yeah. hey, here's our roster, pick who you like. Um, 
And then we just decided, geez, especially when all these these other websites came out that, you know what, let's lean that out to kind of like the hundred most reliable, most qualified in our estimation. So that's and that's kind of how I got involved in the, the voiceover end of things. That was a, a really good differentiator from the other production companies that would often have to go to a talent agency. Yeah. Or, or would have to maybe have their own little group of. Um, you know, their own little bank of guys, their own little Rolodex full of talent that they might refer to. We got to say we're kind of our own in-house talent pool. We'll handle all that for you. Yeah. Booking, payment, recording, everything. Um, and then, you know, like when Paul Turner left the company and sold it, then obviously he wasn't in the equation at all. And everything was every other talent. So I had the luxury of being able to not only manage a bi-coastal, national promo voice mm-hmm. and, and be involved every step of the way in his operation. Uh, I also got a chance to work with all types of talent all over the country, all over the globe, really. I mean, when you think of the UK, uh, Latin America and Australia, there was a long time we were working with some talent in Australia. So, I mean, this, th- this is, this is all I've ever really done. You know, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I tell people, you know, there, because like I said, I started when I was 19 years old there are people there, you know, that guy you can go to, boy, he's really good at fixing your brakes on your car. <laughs> yeah. And there's that other guy, boy, oh boy, he can really build a, a dining room table. He's a carpenter, great carpenter. Mm-hmm. Corey, hey, you want to get something produced, a TV or radio commercial? Go, go talk to Corey and his gang. That's kind of all I, all I've ever done to earn a living. So that being said, you know, uh, the voiceover and the audio component, because we always, we set ourselves apart as, you know, being able to feature these voice talent. We also used to be able to say, Hey, every spot you get, even if it's a television commercial is mastered in pro tools first, Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing the audio mixing for it. You know, we know how to do theater of the mind because we do a did a lot of radio. We have this excellent, uh, array of, uh, sound effects and uh, a, a tremendous production library. You know, if, if I can mention killer tracks, we use killer tracks. You know, those guys are like one of the industry standards. They're all over, you know, network stuff. And and to be able to, to, to be able to pick and choose what works in a spot, that's something that I used to do as a producer and kind of pass the baton and taught the next generation of producers to do and so on and so forth. And I fired myself from the production room 10 years ago. Uh, and I haven't produced a spot hands-on since, but I've heard many in quality control, you know, and say, Hey, adjust the level here. His read is off there. The emphasis is wrong on that, that type of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's hugely important, hugely, hugely, hugely important. The type of talent you pick, the, the, quality of the read that you get the performance how you mix in the right music track is it overproduced are you trying to make it sound you know uh like uh i don't know some sort of professional wrestling promo with all types of you know bells and whistles are you trying to be more subtle sometimes folks miss the boat with that even things with compression and reverb Mm -hmm. and all those types of things that all affects the end product so how much does the client get involved in that? Um, and how much do you end up doing just, you know, yourselves? So it varies by the client. Um, you know, our clients know that they can literally just email us a script and say, I need this spot done. And then they get the spot done. Sure. Others are like, hey, make sure to use 
voice X from our pool. Others will be like, hey, we have a relationship with a talent. We sent you his voice that's attached to the email. Use that. Or make sure to use our jingle we had produced elsewhere, okay. for example. And then they, they of course, have the liberty to sort of virtually be involved in the production process. We'll post up drafts of the commercial in Dropbox or whatever else. And if they want a music bed change or if they... Uh, thought that the talent missed the boat on the read. If they're not supervising the read themselves, we'll go take care of that as well. Uh, it's you know, The client has liberties. They're not coming into the studio. We're not one of those studios where you come in and you shake hands and you get the cup of coffee and you meet everyone. You have your lunch catered and yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's not all that pageantry. Now, we can do all that and we have a handful of clients that are local that might come in sure. that still do that and we, we enjoy that. But we're much more turnkey when it comes to our process. It's like, hey, you can trust us to run this thing to the finish. And because of the technology anymore with, with the internet, within seconds, they can hear or see where we're at, what, where, what progress we're making on a commercial and give us feedback. We're, we're, we, we're used to that. So from a casting director's point of view, which I'm assuming is kind of what you end up doing, um, in a roundabout way, maybe not as hands-on as you used to be, but you sure. know, still doing that kind of thing. How do you choose the right voice for a project? And um, I, I assume that the client has the final say on that. Yes, they absolutely have the final say. We'll often uh, provide them targeted suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it helps that, you know, as a company, we define some major verticals that, you know, the types of customers that we routinely get. So, for example, automotive, furniture, casino, live event type stuff. That's kind of our bread and butter. So we know who, you know, when someone says, hey, I want the guy that sounds like the movie trailer guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. We have our four or five that fit that uh, sort of uh, archetype. Um, you know, hey, I want the, uh, this needs to be in Spanish. Okay. We go to our Spanish talent or I want, we get all the time. Uh, I want someone that sounds like James Earl Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have our, our mature African American, mm-hmm. you know, deep voice male talent that we'll recommend. So we have sort of, I'll call them sort of, uh, pods, pods or teams, you know, that we can draw from. They go, Oh yeah, we're going to, you know, recommend them Jim, Jack, and Dave. Boom. And they pick the one they like best, and then we, we, we knock it out. Yeah. And we also, we try to make sure, you know, you ever been to a restaurant, you open up the menu, and it's 20 pages long? What happens? You don't know what to order. So we don't want to give too many choices. We try to provide a variety, but not too much that it'll delay them making a decision. And if you remember what I told you earlier, because I got 599 spots waiting in the queue. Yeah. Chop, chop. You want to know what you want right away. Let's go. And and a lot of our clients, quite frankly, they do the same types of commercials month after month. So they end up landing on their go-to voice or voices, which makes that whole process that much easier and that much more streamlined. So, okay, I want to transition a little bit here because we were talking about the production company, but I know that you also do personal coaching with voice talent. So how did that come about? (laughs) <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you know, um, I have marketed the production company in every way possible um, because I've done it for so long. And like we were joking earlier about using a phone with a cord, <laughs> yeah. for example, and using a phone book. 
You know, this was before Google. There was no internet even. But between cold calling and emails and newsletters, uh, you know, events going to Promax, for example, or ad club meetings, um, you know, doing the in-person pitches where I'd show up with the monitor and the whole, you know, you know, dog and pony show, uh, you know, pay-per-click ads, SEO, every way you could think of, I marketed voiceover talent services and production services. Mm -hmm. And what I was discovering, this was maybe two or three years ago, that I started to hear buzzwords like content marketing, branding. I started to hear these words over and over again. And I, and I always, I don't want to say I had a knack for it because I would try to do certain things for the production company, you know, posting something up on Facebook in a certain way or a certain font that mimicked what our logo was, for example. But I didn't know it had a name. I didn't know that, oh, that's, that's branding. Yeah. And, you know, as I did a little more research, I said, you know what? I got to get out of my comfort zone. I got to do something different to draw not so much attention directly to the production company. I needed to draw attention to me. Not because I need the attention. Believe me, I'd rather be left alone. <laughs> but I, I know and what I teach and what I profess is people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. And I had to put information out there to make that happen. So I did a little experiment. I put out my very first video. I was sitting at my desk and I gave some, I don't know, uh, emailing tips or something for voiceover talent. And I said, let's, let's see what happens. And wow, I'm getting like 2,000 views. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, wait a second. I just, I just got feedback from 2,000 people on one piece of content. You hit on How something long, there, yeah. That There's something there. <laughs> Clearly, you did, yeah. <laughs> and believe me, it was painful to see myself on video that first time. I still have that video. Oh, it's just horrible. But, <laughs> so I, I started to do that more often, and I started to learn more, and things started to evolve. I started to get messages. Hey, can you give me some advice on this? Mm -hmm. Because everyone saw the success of the production company and who I'd worked with and my track record. And I was able to speak about that. And I said, you know, I, that, that, that sort of evolved. And I said, boy, there's, there's a business here. You know, and I saw that so many voice talent weren't doing it correctly. And they all had the same complaint. They weren't complaining. They didn't know where to buy a microphone. Mm -hmm. They weren't complaining that I, I don't know how to produce a demo or where to get it done. Or who are the major agencies? I was, wasn't hearing those complaints. Everyone had the same complaint is, how do I get business? Mm -hmm. Well, I just told you 20 minutes ago, yeah. this is all I've ever done was get business. For, <laughs> so I said, what can I do to share that knowledge? So that's kind of how that was born. And, you know, I, I officially launched that, you know, as, as a formal service uh, two Septembers ago, September, 2018. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's probably 50, 60 talent I've worked with since and continue to work with. And we're adding all the time. And, you know, the social media, it's just ridiculous how that's grown. I mean, uh, oh, of course. the, I'm sure. the, the platforms themselves and my presence on there. I think when I started doing this little experiment, I might've had 2000, connections that I just kind of amassed organically. And now that's over 90,000. Wow. So I get to talk to a big audience. 
That's good. Every day. And I figured out that, boy, if you if you amass this audience and you provide them with useful information and you prove that you're an authority, people will want to buy from you. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. It's a simple, simple. Wonder so all I'm works. doing yeah. is is I'm I'm sharing I'm sharing my experience with voice talent, sharing what has been proven to work for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the talent that these folks have that I'm working with. I'm no voiceover guy. I'm just a guy who, you know, kicked the VO talent in the rear end and said, get your job done now and for the price I want. Um, <laughs> so I've been able to, uh, you know, convey this information to other voice talent and watch them take it and run with it and add their own little flavor to it. And it's been very, very gratifying. And it's quite honestly, it's kind of turned into a little movement. I mean, you know, I have my little my little gang and they all know, go get it. I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's 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 fun and I, and I enjoy it. I, I think my wife would rather I would spend uh, a little less time with it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always have a mission. So, you know, this is a good good opportunity for me to sort of pay it forward, create an additional revenue stream uh, and attract attention across the board. So one more question about one of your sayings, because, you know, go get it is definitely one of them. But you also say it's all in how you say it. So how where does that come in? What do you mean by that? So, I mean, I think you might be referring to I mean, it's, yeah, it is all in how you say it. But that, that refers to a few different things. And I'm, I'm thinking it's not what you do it with. Mm hmm. It's what you do with it. Okay. Meaning there, there are so many voiceover talent that get wrapped up in, I have a Neumann U87. Mm. I use this high-end uh, coach to coach me. I worked with this grade A producer. I had George Whittem, who's a superstar, design my studio. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, they had this laundry list of tools that they've accumulated and they, those are no longer differentiators. Well, I don't know that the client particularly t can care about that. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting. But the problem is, is the talent think be because these these goodies are so special that those, that's worth mentioning to the world that that's why you should hire me. That might be worth mentioning to other voice talent, but I don't know that anyone else is going to know or care. <laughs> Like, and you, you get that pretty mm -hmm. quickly, but you'd be surprised how many folks I have to kind of nudge to say, hey, that's not it. Those are kind of prerequisites. They're not differentiators. And that kind of applies with anything. You know, you can't just go to the sporting goods store, buy a baseball bat, and then step onto a major league diamond and hit a 90 mile an hour fastball. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, just because you have the, the latest gear, mm -hmm. you know, you have to put in the time, you have to practice, you have to get your chops. And you, quite frankly, you got to put in the effort. I mean, it's the big thing is effort. And so many folks don't understand and it's it's getting um exponentially more important in my humble opinion that the skill that most voiceover talent and let's just even voiceover folks producers graphic designers freelancers solopreneurs mm -hmm. the thing that they overlook the most that they should be doing the most is marketing 
Yeah. I mean, getting the clients is really, you know, working with people is what you want to be doing. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. And, you know, so many folks think that because social media is free, for example, it's a free way to market yourself that, hey, if my logo looks cool and I, if I have a LinkedIn page, then I will now get business. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You've got to work it. I mean, you know, I, I'm a guy that, you know, I have a nice little client base. I have, you know, more than one company, more than one revenue stream. And today alone, it's 1130 Eastern time on a Friday. And I've already posted eight different social media posts just in one day. Oh, yeah. And I'm not even done yet. <laughs> You know, and that, that doesn't even include everybody I've engaged with or shared or commented or, you know, those that device takes, you know, repetition. Oh, yeah. And it's monotonous. And so many folks just give up. They give up. And I'm like, don't give up. Don't give up. You got to go get it. I did it again. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's OK. <laughs> that's why it's a saying of yours, right? <laughs> yes. It, it makes it's an sense. audio. It's an audio brand. Yeah. You would say. There you go. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please take a moment to give the podcast a review. It's greatly appreciated and super helpful. Until next time.